It's with all the attention now that David is getting. So Saul is kind of out to do him in. The Philistines, the Philistines, Goliath was a Philistine, they're not too happy with David either, right? I mean, they want to go after David and make him pay for what they did to Goliath and also to all of the Philistines as they engaged in battle. So David finds himself on the run. He finds himself on the run from Saul. He finds himself on the run from the Philistines. So in 1 Samuel 21, we learn that David goes to Gath. And in Gath, he encounters this king named King Achish. Now, historians look back at this and say um, that commentary at the very beginning of the psalm was added some years later, many It could be many hundreds of years later, and they maybe made a little bit of a mistake because in the introduction it says Abimelech, but then in in 1 Samuel it says Achish. Well, how do we overcome that? There are some interesting kind of roots to the Hebrew language that maybe could say that that name means the same thing, or somebody just made a mistake, just didn't get the history quite right. But in any case, he finds himself in Gath, and he now encounters this king Achish. David thinks he can go into Gath and be incognito, that nobody is going to recognize him. He's not like a Kardashian in his fame yet, right? Or at least he doesn't think so. But King Achish recognizes David as the one who defeated the Philistines. In fact, there's a, a section there where it says, you, aren't you, David, the one who slew thousands? Not just hundreds, but thousands. And so now David realizes, oh my gosh, I've been found out. They know who I am. And now he becomes very afraid of King Achish because Achish has this, uh, th- this nice kind of treaty going on with the Philistines. So he's thinking, boy, I can't go anywhere that's safe. So what does David do? How is he going to get out of this situation? Well, here's what he does. He feigns madness. So what David does is he starts going to all the doorposts and all the windows, and he stands at them very, very close, and he scratches at them with his fingernails. And then he allows all of his spittle to just drop down from his beard. So he's sitting there at the windows and the doorposts, garbling gibberish, and all this stuff is dropping from his beard, and he's scratching at the doorposts, leaving marks with his nails. Now, if you saw somebody doing that, you would probably assume that there was some kind of mental illness happening, right? It's exactly what King Achish says. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, this guy is clearly not right. And so what does he do? He banishes him. So then David flees and he goes to a cave and he takes refuge in a cave with this growing band of rebels that are now following him. And he has been delivered from the Philistines. He has been delivered for the time being from Saul. He has been delivered from King Achish and he finds refuge in a cave. Now, what we're going to do is dwell in the psalm this morning. So as we hear these first verses, hear them in the context of David, who is now praising God in retrospect, thinking back on this particular event and saying, God has delivered us. God has delivered me from all of my troubles. And he's praising God for this. So as we engage with the text, we're going to break it down into chunks. In fact, this first chunk is Um, a beautiful way to uh, have what we call a call to worship. When we gather as Cairo, we um, almost every time we gather have a call to worship where we recite um, some text or we recite a call to worship that prepares our hearts to receive God and to receive God's word. And so as we dwell on the word today, I will read it, and I just want you, it'll be up on the the, um, screens too, but I want you to just hear it. If you want to close your eyes, you can do that too. You can just hear it. I want to read it and then give a moment to reflect. And then I'm going to ask all of us to stand and recite it together as our call to worship. 
Pray with me before we get into the text this morning. Lord God, we are grateful. We are grateful for your servant David. We are grateful for the words that he has left us. We are grateful for an opportunity to gather and to worship you. God, we are grateful for an opportunity for your spirit to work within us and for your word to be alive. God, we pray that as we examine this text today, as we engage this text, as we worship in and through this text, Lord, that it would be a sweet sound to you, that it would be acceptable to you uh, as worship. All the forms that our worship takes today, prayer, the study of your word, um, the receiving of your sacraments, God, all of these things, may they be just a wonderful, sweet sound in your ear. And God, as we think through this text, um, Lord, all of those things that are of truth, we pray that those would be sealed by the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. And God, anything that is speculation or um, not of your truth, God, we pray that those things would be quickly forgotten today. Lord, we love you. Search our hearts as we engage your text. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the psalm. I'll be reciting uh, 34 verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Let's stand and recite that together, shall we? Let this be our call to worship this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. Be seated. We are going to dwell together uh, in the word again as we... uh, Look to verses 4 through 6 of Psalm 34. One of the things that we do at Cairo every time we gather, a couple of the things, um, is we follow um, somewhat of a liturgical um, format. Uh, In the second and third centuries, there was a a gentleman by the name of Hippolytus. Love that name. I'm going to name my next kid Hippolytus. And uh, Hippolytus um, came up with a format for worship um, of the early Christian church. There were certain things that happened um, at every gathering of the early Christian church. Prayer, of course, was part of that, thanksgiving, um, the taking of the sacraments, the receiving of the sacraments, and the sharing of peace among each other. Um, So we're going to do that after we hear um, this word today. So as I read Psalm 34, verses 4 through 6, David writes this in the first person. What I'd like you to do as you hear these uh, short words, it's a short section here, Uh, is close your eyes if you can or um, uh, ponder what it would be like for you writing these words. Let the first person be you as you hear these words. Listen to the word. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord. 
and was saved from every trouble. Let us stand and let's offer each other a sign of peace. And as you do that, as you turn to somebody near you and offer them a sign of God's peace, I want you to do this. Uh, As we think back on that scripture, especially this poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble, would you share with somebody next to you um, how you have been delivered, how you have been saved from trouble by the Lord? Let's do that now. One of the practices of dwelling in the word that is so helpful, that's harder to do in a format of a corporate worship, um, but I encourage you to do this in your small groups, is to uh, select a section of scripture. It can be an entire psalm. You might even do this with Psalm 34 this week. And have one person read it. Uh, and then give a few moments to dwell within the entire psalm. And then break into groups of two and share with each other what were one or two things the Spirit was speaking to you about as you heard that psalm. And then when you come back together, have the person that you spoke with report to the group what you said. That way you're engaging and listening with each other, and then um, you have a communal discernment of how the Holy Spirit is speaking to each person uh, that is then shared with the group. So I encourage you to do that. In a format like this, it's a little bit more complicated to do, um, but it's a great, great exercise. Another thing that we do at Cairo uh, virtually every time we gather is we recite the Lord's Prayer together, uh, which is such a beautiful thing to do. It's the way God uh, taught us to pray. Uh, It's a wonderful thing for a group to do together. Um, a lot of times, I think in our Christian walk, we tend to get into this um, mode of it being all about Jesus and me. And yet the Lord's Prayer starts with that beautiful first word. It's probably the most important word that exists in our Christianity, and that word is our. Our Father. Our Father. Yes, he's my Father, but he's our Father. He's my Father because he's our Father. Beautiful, beautiful words. Uh, And oftentimes what can happen uh, as we worship is we will go around and we will share um, different ways that we would like to be prayed for, whether uh, those are needs or whether it's Thanksgiving uh, and so forth. Another thing that can be great for you all to do uh, in your small groups, and I know that prayer is such an important part of new community, so I encourage you to remain in that. Uh, Before we receive communion this morning, let's stand together and resort, resort, Recite the Lord's Prayer. Um, It'll be on the screen here. Um, There are different ways of praying this prayer, so we'll pray it this way today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of the great joys of gathering together after we pray uh, those beautiful words is that uh, we have the opportunity to receive the sacrament, to receive the bread and the wine. What a great way for us to remember, especially as we think of this psalm, as we think of the ways that we've heard so far of God redeeming us and saving us. 
we have been redeemed and we have been saved through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus reminded his disciples of this very fact. In fact, he was looking a little bit forward when he met with them for that last supper. And as they gathered together, he took bread. And as he took bread and gave thanks to his father, he said to his disciples, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you partake of it, do so in remembrance of me. This was during a Seder meal. They were celebrating the Passover, and the bread and the wine on that table had very specific meaning and purpose. The bread was to represent the manna that was provided as the Israelites were in the desert. And Jesus then took that element, and he gave it a new meaning. The bread that gives you life, he says, is me. He also took the cup, and again, giving thanks and praise, he took the cup, he gave it to his disciples, and he said to them, this cup is the cup of my blood, shed for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you partake of it, do so in remembrance of me. He said that this cup represents the new promise, the new covenant between God and man, that through the blood and body of Christ, that we would be in everlasting relationship and communion with the Father. There's another wonderful account after Jesus' resurrection, he was walking on the road to Emmaus and he encountered uh, a couple of people as they were walking along and they were recounting the whole story of what had just taken place in those days. And they had no idea that it was Jesus who was with them. And when they got to where they were getting for that night, they sat down to supper. And it was when Jesus took the bread that their eyes were opened and they said, you're Jesus. So when we come to the table and we receive the bread, we are actually being invited into the very presence of God, into the very presence of Jesus. Jesus says, I have taken the bread, which is my body, and it has been broken for you. And now that you see this, you are in my presence. So if you would like to partake of the elements today, feel free to come forward. If you uh, are in a place where you don't want to receive the elements today, that's fine as well. Pray with me. Lord God, we are grateful for this gift, the gift of life that is represented through your body and your blood. God, we pray that as we come forward today that we would be nourished with all the nourishment we need to go forth from this place through these elements to serve and to love in your name. God, we are not worthy on our own to receive you, but your word has truly set us free. May we be free. Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Oh, God is good, is he not? And God loves us. This is the good news. And um, what a joy it is to share in that, that good news. Uh, we're going to continue on looking through this psalm, and we will dwell in it together. Uh, but in this next section, I um, have chosen uh, by the suggestion of the Holy Spirit that this would serve as a report from the field uh, to give you a little bit of an update of um, what Cairo has been like and what we have been through there and uh, what we are um, seeing as our future as we uh, move into that as well. For those of you who know me, um, it's great to see your faces. It's so wonderful to be uh, back in this environment. Uh, the hardest thing about uh, being sent out to start Cairo was that we were sent out from this place because um, we love this place dearly, dearly, and, um, and love what God is doing.